I love the Christmas story, and I love thinking about the Christmas story through the eyes of the people that actually experienced it. And last week, we took some time to slow down and center on the Christmas story through the eyes of Mary, and this week, we're going to take a look at the other person in the Christmas story. And the the fact that the Christmas story embedded in the story is the idea of grace and making room for God. And uh, today we're going to look at at Joseph's point of view. And the most fascinating part in this narrative is before Joseph hears from the angel. And just just to get this out of the way right off the bat, I've got a little bone to pick with the way this is uh, the way this played out, and I'll, I'll have to wait till I get to heaven to figure it out. But I feel like if anyone deserved an actual visitation from an angel, it would have been Joseph. But all he gets is a dream. <laughs> Imagine waking up from that dream. I know that's a little bit of a spoiler, but the idea of of God giving us grace is still embedded. It was in Mary's story but also in Joseph's story, the grace to go through whatever life throws at us. But I want to look at this this part of the Christmas story. And and before we get into it, just to think about how do you read the Bible to figure out what to do in situations, Um, especially when it comes to Joseph, because uh, we are new covenant people. and, uh, And Joseph didn't have the new covenant yet. So imagine being in his his position of, of trying to figure out what to do when, when you're going through the Bible and, and reading through these verses. And the Bible tells us that Joseph, uh, the idea here is that he's actually a man after God's heart. And he knew the narratives in scripture. He knew the laws in scripture. Most likely since he was a first century Jew, he had large portions of the Bible absolutely memorized, but uh, he serves as a model for us today that, uh, that I think we're going to learn some really important things, that, that we become a people that read the Bible so we can follow Jesus. And we don't just read the Bible to find the letter of the law and get our marching orders for the day, but we read these stories, these laws, so we can get close to God's heart. And last week, we, we used our bodies to, to help this truth sink in to our hearts. We, we held our hands out in this posture of grace, where it's ambiguous of whether you're giving or receiving. And we could use that for this week, because it would be like holding a, a book in our hands. But uh, I want to change it up a little bit. And don't worry, we're not going to do this every single week. But we're not people with just noses in the book and then just charging off and doing exactly what it says. Is we read, uh, we read about Jesus. And then we ask, where is Jesus in all of this? And how do we live this out together? So this week, I want to invite you uh, to, to adopt this posture together, like this uh, clasped hands. Because... Uh, As a reminder to us, we read the Bible together, and that's the tradition that we come from. You know, you and I, we live, if you're watching this on YouTube or church online platform, uh, we're way after the printing press, and we have the privilege of having these texts translated into our own language in multiple translations. We We have more information 
about the Bible, more translations of the Bible available to us than, than anyone else ever in human history. But the, uh, before we jump into this text, I want to remind us that we are supposed to read this together. I've always been uncomfortable with the idea, and maybe you didn't absorb this idea, but I absorbed this idea that a pastor goes into uh, his or her study and, and studies the Bible and then kind of comes out of the office on Sunday morning like Moses coming down with the Ten Commandments and says, this is the last word. But faith in following Jesus uh, is actually meant to be, this is, this is the, the, the first word, not the last word, and that together we, we meditate on these scriptures and, and chew on them, and then together we figure out how do we apply this in our everyday life? How do we apply this Monday to Saturday and not just on Sunday? And the fancy word for it is called a community hermeneutic, but what it basically means is that we, we together we figure out how do we apply these stories and, and these proverbs and all of this wisdom into our day-to-day life. And I hope we can do that together today. So if you have your Bibles, navigate to Matthew chapter 1. As a reminder, we have this on version, so the notes are already there for you, and you can go back and look at them later. But let's look at this scripture together. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. In this first century culture, there was no concept like we think of as engagement. Here uh, in, in 2021, maybe some of us have dating scars, like, oh, it was so complicated. You meet this person and you say you have a determine the relationship conversation and then you go steady for a while and then you get engaged and then you, uh, then you get married. Uh, but in the first century, uh, there, was, there was no formula or template for the romantic comedy where someone shows up in in the engagement ceremony or the engagement period and says, no, I really love you. Like once you're betrothed, the closest parallel is engagement, but there was already a legal aspect to it. Uh, some translations say that Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. So this means you are completely committed to being committed. In this stage, they would already call each other husband and wife. The marriage isn't finalized yet, but there's already, they're already way down the freeway towards getting married, and they're already bound together. And there's, there's uh, like I mentioned before, there's legal ramifications. There's already a lot of finances that have been exchanged, and we'll get this. Uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. But just to point out, This is so serious and and weighty for the community that once you're betrothed to another in the first century in this context, it was so serious, you would need an actual divorce to break off the marriage. And it continues in verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He was faithful to the law. So he knew this, this Old Testament stuff, this, this first covenant, and he was faithful to it. Other translations say that Joseph was a righteous man. 
So this righteous man finds out that this woman he's invested his finances into, uh, of, of, of providing uh, months and months worth of his own salary, his family's money that, that pledges in this community, it shows this, this is how serious we are about this. And, um, uh, he, and he, he knew all of, all of these legal ramifications. And he was a righteous man, meaning he wanted what was right. He wanted to live how God said, this is the best way to live. He wanted, he cared deeply about right living. He cared deeply about the scriptures. And for us today, it's important to point out that Joseph cared about using the scriptures in the right way. And something that's lost on us in that verse is that he had it in his mind to divorce her quietly. This is a Middle Eastern culture of shame and honor. He did not want to bring shame on Mary, which is amazing to me. If we, if we take a step back and think about this from Joseph's perspective, this guy has invested energy and finances and, and, and his heart towards and was looking forward to a life together the the palestinian dream you get married you have kids you you're faithful to the law you you are obeying god's command to be fruitful and multiply and living in the land of israel and and they're they're pledged to be married to each other they're committed to being committed and she can't even be faithful and and joseph has no concept Right, right here of, of a virgin birth. He can't say to her, what, you're, you're pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Like, you mean like Mary? He can't say, you mean like you? No, how in the world do you even wrap your mind around that? That your, your, your wife is pregnant and you played no part in it. And then she plays the God card I would think that would make it even worse, even more complicated, and, and feel like even more betrayal. And because he knew the law, because he cared deeply about scriptures, Joseph had options. Deuteronomy 22, 24 says she, she could be stoned to death. Uh, it gets even more interesting. In Leviticus 21, 9, oh, she could be burned to death. What amazing options he has right here. He could stone her to death. If, if he wanted revenge, he could get it. If he wanted to act on those feelings of betrayal, he had precedent and he would have been well within his rights to apply the letter of the law and stone her to death or burn her to death. And to be fair, um, they, they were under Roman rule at that time. So one of the ways the state in that day applied their force and showed everyone that they were in charge is they outlawed um, capital punishment. And that's why the Pharisees and Sadducees had to appeal to the Roman authorities to crucify Jesus. And uh, uh, that he couldn't, that in the country, well outside of the cities, if you did it quickly, a community like this could stone someone who was unfaithful to their spouse or, or burn them if they did it really quickly. But another tradition came about as a, as, a, as a compromise to still obey the letter of the law, but also get along with the Romans. And Joseph could have given her uh, something called a git or it, like being served with divorce papers. 
because uh, it still would have inst- uh, stoned her reputation or burnt Mary's reputation in sight of the community because this would have been a very public thing to do when you when you give that divorce paper to the unfaithful betrothed and her reputation would have been ruined for years and historically we know she would have been young 13 to 15 years old and putting that that mark of shame on her but joseph in this moment before the angel comes to him is trying to grapple with how do i follow the law how do i at the same time follow god's heart and righteous zeal would have said publicly shame her let everybody know you are the one that has your stuff together and you you just do what's right but there was a tension there doing what's right doesn't always go with 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 putting a, a scarlet letter on someone's life for the rest of their life which brings us to a question i've been asking myself and 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 i want to ask you today when you hear about someone's failings how do you respond I mean, it's all over the news today, whether it's movie stars or business leaders or politicians. We know everybody's business, whether we want to or not. But what pops up into your heart? I'd never do that. Or, or if, if it's someone that rubs you the wrong way or follows a different ideology than you follow, do you get proud and you say, I knew they were no good? That just proves it. A couple of months ago, I struggled with this. There was a, a news story that came about, and it just happened to be about someone uh, related to a situation that happened in my family. Guys, what happens here stays here, right? <laughs> like This was an incident in my family that happened 30 years ago. And I saw on the news that there was a, a religious leader that had a moral failing. And my first impulse was not, oh, we all have mistakes. My first thought wasn't, oh, that must be so painful for those churches or that university that, and the ministries that this person was involved in. My first thought that I had to repent of was, finally, they're getting what they deserve. That's not <laughs> what Jesus tells us to do. And maybe, uh, maybe they did deserve it. But if I'm honest, I've been guilty of, of, of bad things too. I've, I've done sinful things. And, and I'm human too, and so are you. Joseph challenges us and shows us a much different way, a much different way to, to deal with other people's sin, but also to follow God's heart. And there's a way. It's not just legalism. And it's not just do whatever you want. It's not legalism or licentiousness. Like there's a third way and that's the Jesus way. So to boil it down, right now Joseph, before the angel comes to him, he has two basic choices. And we already know what choice he made, but he could divorce Mary for a cause, which would shame her reputation and he would get to keep her family's money that they, they've pledged and like a dowry, which was a a lot of money in that day, a lot of resources in that day. And she would have had nothing to show for it. And in the first century, a woman with nothing, no prospects, is, a, is basically a death sentence for the rest of her life. And, and the whole community would have said, yes, 
Follow the letter of the law. Sin is, is not just a personal issue for the nation of Israel. This is a national thing. We're under Roman law, and obviously there's sin in the camp. So good job, Joseph. You're helping to root out sin in the camp. And his second choice was to divorce Mary for no cause, which means she keeps her family's portion of the wedding dowry, but she also keeps what Joseph had pledged and put into the marriage, and also his family, what they had invested into this time period, which some sources say was the equivalent of a one-bedroom house, the equivalent of a year's salary. So if if he divorced her for no cause, saying to the community, guys, it's on me. She keeps all that stuff. She keeps all of that and keeps her reputation. So when the Bible says he put it into his mind to divorce her quietly, he's figured out a way to both follow the law, but also show mercy. And, and he's, those two choices have very different effects on re, uh, reputation and finances. And what choice would you make if you were facing the same choice as Joseph? I don't know. I want, I, I feel like I want to be like Joseph when I grow up. I've still got some growing to do. <laughs> and if you're like me, you're thinking, I don't know. Because in our society, we have these built-in mechanisms when there's unfaithfulness, when there's betrayal, when there's addiction. And so many times in our society, um, these, these mechanisms kick in and the impulse to, to stick it to somebody and to, to, to preserve what's ours and to preserve ourself in that situation completely takes over. But Joseph, Joseph shows us a different way, not of the way of self-sacrifice. No, he shows us the way of self-sacrifice, not of self-preservation. He, uh, and, and just a word here, if you're in a situation where there is abuse, where there is addiction, where, where there is abandonment, the story of Joseph doesn't just say, oh, just forgive and, and, and keep on going. You stay in that situation. Uh, Joseph's example doesn't say, oh, love means that you're a doormat for someone else's dysfunction or abusive behavior. By no means. And if you're in one of those situations, please reach out to us. Um, we... Uh, that's not God's heart for you to stay in that situation at all. The, the Bible's very clear. Like when a fool returns to his own folly, it, it's like a dog returning to its own vomit. Sorry to be, it, the Bible's not boring. Sorry to be so graphic, but it means loving someone means that, that you don't have to be there when someone else returns to their, their, their destructive behaviors and habits. And Joseph tells us that, his story. Love doesn't make us a doormat. He still is moving to divorce her. Love doesn't cause us to to keep up unhealthy boundaries or to destruct healthy boundaries. Love brings accountability, but it does it with a different motivation than mere revenge. It's much, much different. So we have healthy boundaries and, and we don't have to be there 
uh, went uh, and, and submit ourselves to, to abuse and, and dysfunction. Uh, and, and we learn a lot about healthy boundaries from Joseph. So other things we learned from, we are learning right now from Joseph is if, if, the, if we want to be called righteous, we learn the letter. We learn these stories, but we live the love. If you're taking notes, that's the main point. This is important. This, the, this is God's, this is how we get to know Jesus. We learn the letter of the law, but we live the love. If you want to, you could totally find your favorite sound bites. You could find your favorite stories to justify bitterness, to justify judgment. And Joseph learned the letters, but he also was searching for the God who is pure love. So God, Joseph learned the laws, but he, he got to know God. Uh, and other leaders in the early church, Paul encourages us to live the same way. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, Paul says, He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Yeah, you can find things, and, and people have, to, to, to justify even killing in the name of God. Or, or, or if it's not even just uh, physical, but it could just shrivel you as a person if you read this and learn this, but don't get to know Jesus. We're missing the point. Used wrongly, the Bible is deadly. I'm not speaking against God's word. I'm saying our hearts must be oriented towards Jesus as we, as we learn this book and learn it together. We, we, this is how we get to know Jesus. We read it and we act upon it in community and we seek the heart of God. And Joseph is a template for how to do this. But back to the passage. In verse 20 it says, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. If you've watched the Charlie Brown Christmas special, you've heard this passage before, but have you ever stopped to think about what the angel didn't say? Now, up to this point, Joseph was acting on all the, the information that he had and had found a third way between just laissez-faire, do whatever, and, and I'll just blind my eyes to this apparent betrayal. And he didn't choose to, to have her killed or, or to publicly disgraced. The angel doesn't say, hey, you missed it. What's wrong with you, Joseph? You were way off. Didn't you know what God was up to? No, he, the angel didn't say that. There is no rebuke here because Joseph was making the most loving decision based on what he, he knew. So to bring this to, to our level, like we've faced complex times and it feels like our culture and, and the way life is, like it feels like there's more times now, and maybe it's just my stage of life, now that I'm 43, I feel like the decisions I'm making seem to be getting more and more complex with family and finances and culture and church. But Joseph template really can take the anxiety out of the situation. Let's make the best decisions we know how to make with the heart of saying, God, I want to do the right thing and I want to follow you as best I know. So 
are you facing a, a difficult decision today and you feel like you, you need more information? Act on it. Act on it. Check your heart. Do some examination and say, and hold your decision like this or get some people in your life that, that know God that you can bounce the ideas off of and then walk boldly into that decision. Because if you're, if you're off, God knows where you live. Uh, doing what Joseph did and having that kind of heart is the heart God sends angels to. Uh, continuing on in verse 21, the angel is still talking to Joseph. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. First century, this is an incredibly common name and it means the Lord saves. And Jesus has come to us in English and it's mangled through the Hebrew, uh, Yeshua, Joshua, the Greek is Jesus. And in English, I think most translators have chosen the word Jesus from tradition, obviously. And it really helps us distinguish Jesus from the other Joshua's in the Bible. But it means the Lord saves. Amazing, amazing um, insight that the angel is giving to Joseph. And the angel continues, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And as many Christmases as I've been through, I never caught how in the next verse it says, oh, but he'll also be called something else. Now, if you're a word legalist, if you're just on the, the letter of the law side, you would get, it would be easy to get all caught up. Is he Jesus or is he Emmanuel? Is he, and play word games with it. But Joseph knows the heart of God and is realizing, oh, God does save us. And also, he'll be called Emmanuel, meaning God saves us. Joseph would understand his context, and it's still true today, that God saves us by coming to us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. I was raised in the 90s, purity movement and everything. This is the part I always stumbled upon because I was raised to think, if you can just make it to that marriage moment, oh, what? Then, then, then life will be easy and you have no more problems. I realize now that was not the way things really go. But when I, my whole life, I've read this. Joseph obeyed Jesus and still talk about taking a backseat to God's master plan and realizing you're not the star of the show, did not consummate the marriage until after Mary gave birth. What an amazing example of Joseph giving to us that, that we are not the stars in our own life. And scripture celebrates Joseph for, for willingly taking a backseat to God's plan, realizing I'm I'm, I get to be a part of it, and I'm just a background character, but oh, wow, what a ride. And since Joseph knew Scripture so well, I can't help but think he, he knew that this was part of it. In Genesis 3.15, as in, the, in the narrative of the fall of creation, it was prophesied that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. As Jesus grows up, 
You may remember the story of Jesus being about 12 years old and, and he's hanging out in the temple for days and days and his family had already walked back home to Nazareth. They had to go back day, days and days journey to get to him. And when they finally find their son, they say, what are you doing? Jesus says, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house about my father's business? From Joseph's perspective, can you imagine the, ooh, that would sting a little bit to me as a reminder that I'm not the biological father of the son that I've taken into my home. I'm loving as my own. I'm pouring into my energies, my, I'm feeding. <laughs> and a little reminder, but Joseph is, is highlighted here for his righteousness and his willingness to obey God even though he wasn't the star of the show. Joseph embraced it. That's our invitation. And if, if I'm not careful, I can think I'm the star of my own show complete with my own soundtrack, slow motion, <laughs> explosions. But no, no, Joseph said yes. And as we follow the story, the shame, the implications of Joseph taking Mary home, and once she started showing, once the story of, oh, it's, it's, it's the breath of God, this is, uh, you know, the, the reputation of, you know what, bare bones, the people in their community would have said, oh, Joseph and Mary had to rush to marriage and she wasn't faithful to him, but he's covering it up. And we see that in the book of Mark where, where Jesus is preaching in the synagogue and people say, isn't that Mary's son? No, 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 hold on, hold on. In that culture, you'd say that's Joseph's son. Joseph, that Jesus bar Joseph, Jesus ben Joseph. Uh, no, that's a, you don't say that and it's recorded on purpose. That's a dig. The people in the community, they all knew. The glances, the mm-hmms to the side. Yeah, we know it's Mary's son. We don't know who the father is. This reputation followed them throughout the rest. And yet Joseph is honored as a righteous man for following the true heart of God. So what do we do with all of this? Uh, I want to, I want to, just give us a prayer to pray this week as we're slowing down at Christmas time and thinking about the simplicity of these stories and, and how we can, we can follow Jesus, uh, in, especially in this season. You're probably facing complicated decisions. Well, I want to give you a prayer. To, I'm going to read it, and then I'd like for us to pray it together. Um, I'm willing to play my part, God, large or small. Use me however you will to bless others. Please open my ears to hear your voice. Until you give me more detail, I will simply follow Jesus, your word already spoken. Amen. So I think this prayer, the first line, I'm willing to play my part, it's just always healthy. No matter what decision or difficult circumstances that, that we're facing, to realize we don't have to figure it all out and we are just a bit character. And I think if, as we pray this, to, to give us the proper perspective that we are a part of God's story and that, that God's heart is for us to bless others. But we've got to hear that, you know, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd and the sheep shall know my voice. As we constantly orient our ears towards what is God saying, I think we'll get clarity. And that, that all we have to do is follow Jesus. As we read his word to get to know the word, already spoken. My prayer for you is that more clarity will come, the anxiety will be sucked 
out of whatever situations you're facing. And as we do this together, we'll look back years from now and think, oh my goodness, look what God did. God is the the star of the story. And what, we got to be a part of it? Even though there's crazy times? So since we're not together, I wanna invite you as we pray this, uh, to just remind yourself that we are together and put your hands, uh, clasp them. If you're with somebody, I invite you to hold hands with them and, and for us to pray this all together. So please join me. And, and if you can, say it out loud with me. Dear God, I am willing to play my part, large or small. Use me however you will to bless others. Please open my ears to hear your voice Until you give me more detail, I will simply follow Jesus, your word already spoken. Amen. So I'd love to hear um, if God speaks to your heart. I'd love to know, uh, or even a hunch that you have. I think God's telling me this. I think God opened my ears. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us at sgbic.com or leave a comment down below or reach out to us in a private message. Uh, We're easy to get a hold of. And uh, if you have a prayer request too, uh, and you need someone to to link hands with you and encourage you if you're going through a difficult time, we absolutely love that privilege and honor to do that. So as we go through the Christmas season, Until we're together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen.